I'm Jake Miller from the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 62 of Podcast PD, we are talking to tech enthusiast Mike Brilla, and he joins us to talk about using technology to make deeper connections with students. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. Welcome back to Podcast PD, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We are very very excited about this episode. This has been an episode in the making uh, for a while. As you heard in the teaser, Chris mentioned we're going to talk to Mike Brilla, and Mike is a fan of the show. We'll get to his bio in a little bit, but before we get going with Mike, we're going to introduce my left and right hands for the show, and Stacy and Chris, what's going on tonight as we record episode 62? Life is good here in New Jersey. Uh, the holiday season is underway. The weather hasn't been too bad, although we had a unexpected early dismissal because of some wet rain snow freezing stuff uh other than that that was on monday right yeah that that was monday that was crazy yeah that was that was a little nice because we came back from a thanksgiving break and we got a little bit of a early dismissal there so can't complain about that one stacy what's going on in your world not much i'm sipping some tea trying to stay healthy these next two weeks um Working on the crunch time of report card season, working on lesson plans, you know, doing the normal teacher thing. How about you, AJ? Things are good. That tea you're drinking, Jasmine Pearls, maybe? How'd you know? Ah, just a lucky guess. I feel like I can make that connection. So but for, me, for me, everything is good. Like, I'm, I'm excited. It's definitely the holiday time. We, uh, in full disclosure, Sunday night here in New Jersey as we record this one, and we just came back uh, from dinner for my son's fifth birthday. We were celebrating, and there's this house down the street from us that plays music. You can put it on in your car. You glitch at the station as the lights flicker. And we were sat outside this guy's house for a couple of minutes. Very creepy. But, you know, if you're going <laughs> to have your lights going and play some music, we're going to sit there. We're going we're gonna to listen. So we went to like three songs and we turned the baby's car seat around. She was watching, smiling, laughing. The boys were in the back having a good time. So it's definitely the holiday season. Definitely looking forward to, uh, to the Christmas vacation. AJ, did, does your house play music? Yeah, when I turn on the stereo. <laughs> I say, you know who, play uh, 98.7 FM ESPN radio, and that's the music I get. No, I don't really do lights. We do the indoors. We don't do the outdoors. I do the outdoors, oh, but yeah. I, have, I, have a, I have a system. So all my lights, the, the clips stay on. They go into bags, so I know exactly where they go, and I take them down and put them right back up in the same spot. See, that is something I might have to talk to you about. I think going forward, I'd like to get at least some lights in the front door or something like that. I just yeah. don't have the patience for that. I might just call you. Come do my lights. you be my light guy. Add it to the list of things I do and maybe make a little money for. Uh, buy you a pizza. Works for me. There we go. All right, but let's get going on, on the real thing that we want to talk about tonight. And we have, like we mentioned before, Mike Brill is with us. And let me tell you a little about Mike. And first and foremost, Mike is a listener and fan of Podcast PD. We're not sure why, but we're, we're glad he does and we're glad he interacts with us. Uh, Mike is currently a TOSA at Owen J. Roberts Middle School in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. This school is located about 40 miles west of the Illadelph. For those who don't know, it's Philly. 
And they house grades 7 and 8 with roughly 900 students. Before becoming a TOSA, Mike taught social studies since about 2004 in both 7th and 8th grade at the same school. Aside from being a teacher, Mike is also an assistant wrestling coach at OJR and believes that much of what he does in his teaching and coaching is easily transferable. In his personal life, Mike is married to his wife, Jess, who is also a high school math teacher. They have two sons, Michael and Grayson, and Mike and Jess uh, recently moved into their district where they teach because they feel strongly about being part of the community, which my wife can definitely agree with. So, Mike, welcome to Podcast PD, my man. Oh, thank you very much. Excited to be here. A little nervous, as I said earlier. It's a, yeah, long-time listener and fan. Uh, so it's kind of a little starstruck, I guess, for educational geeks like us. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Meanwhile, you saw behind the curtains, and you <laughs> saw the ridiculous and Look, we just spoke over each other. Sounded great. <laughs> Actually, Mike, I was going to say, that that's a really good move to live in the district you work in, because now you can really see where your tax dollars go. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I don't feel bad paying taxes as much. It, it kind of comes back to you, no? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like paying yourself to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My wife does the same thing. She moved into this town where we live because it's where she grew up and where the kids go, and she definitely wants to be a part of it. So uh, we understand exactly uh, where you're coming from there. Yeah, we figured uh, we like the people, we like the teachers, and might as well. You're close to the kids while we can be, at least. So, Mike, before we get going, why don't you tell a little bit more about, uh, about yourself? To the people out there, I know we read the bio, but uh, it's your time to shine, man. So tell us what you got. As I tell people, I am by far the, the second best educator in my family. Um, my wife teaches high school math. And I, for the past 14 years or whatever it was, I taught social studies. And last year, I uh, had an opportunity to try try out this TOSA gig. Um, the interviews were in the spring. And I was excited, but also nervous for, for the change. Uh, I think like a lot of teachers, change is rough. But I felt like, especially now that I live in the district, uh, if I could help other people with the implementation of technology and meaningful implementation technology, I felt like that was kind of the way to go. So I, I took the jump. It's only, it's a year, uh, and then I get to go back. So it's kind of like a non-sabbatical sabbatical where I get to help and then steal ideas too. Now, Mike, for those who aren't familiar, you use the term TOSA, which mm -hmm. to my knowledge, I mean, I know what it means, but people may not. Uh, so what does TOSA stand for? It's a teacher on assignment or special assignment, I guess you can call it here. And uh, for our for our school, it's 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 primarily the integration of uh, Google, Google Classroom, the Google Apps for Education. Now, it's weird to hear the term TOSA here on the East Coast because it I, I've, I've always felt that like they use the word TOSA like in California and all those Q people out there. Right. It's what a else? West Coast thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of those other podcasts I listen to every now and then they talk, they use it. How long do you get to be out of the classroom for? Just one year? It's it's just just a one year gig, um, so it's kind of it, it's nice. It really is. Um, it was I, I I felt it was in the beginning. It was kind of tough for me um, to transition out, knowing that it was only one year. Um, but I kind of after a couple of weeks let myself really enjoy this time. And then, how long has this uh, has this type of position been around in your district? There was one. There was one last year in the high school. Uh, in the high school, they used the, the Canvas model uh, LMS. So there was one guy in there last year for the high school. Then we, we switched. They sent it to the middle school for me for um, Google Classroom. Now, the high school guy is actually, they, they he was there for the year, and then they restructured his day. So now he's a part-time teacher, part-time TOSA, I guess you would say, again. 
That's cool. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. So, I don't know. They say it's a year. Um, we'll see what happens. So, in theory, it could be extended? Uh, possibly or change. I, I don't know. We, it's, it's really up in the air. Um, the, only, the only guarantee I know is the rest of this year. And that if they change it, you still have a job in the district doing what you did before. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so teaching social stuff. I wasn't giving that up, no. <laughs> yeah, there's the MOU in the contract that says I get to go back. <laughs> so your focus here is strictly on integrating Google and Google Classroom, or is there more to it than, than that? So it's, it's mainly Google and then branching out from there, just and, and meaningful technology. But for the most part, our district goals this year are the, the implementation of Google Classroom um, K through 8. Um, my job is specifically the seven and eight building, but then every now and then I get loaned out to elementary schools too. And do you have a specific schedule you have to adhere to or do you, are you on, are you free? Can you go and bounce around to different classrooms? Do you have to observe? What, is, what does it look like for no, you? No, I'm i uh, I'm totally free on my own for the schedule, which uh, at first sounded awesome to me. I couldn't wait. And then, like I said, I craved that structure. You know, I used to have the, the periods every 42 minutes, so it took a little while for me to get used to like kind of figuring out the ebbs and flows of my day. Uh, and I found myself, I had to purposely break my routines because I would always be leaving the office at the same time and seeing the same people teaching in the same classes. So I have to make sure I get out of that, break myself of being so ha- habitual and ritualistic. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, a good policy to get into for yourself. I remember um, when I taught third grade in a different district from where I'm at. Now the principal always came to my classroom first. I was the first stop every single day. He did rounds every single day. And I was, we had um, like our, the the layout of our building was set up in a baseball diamond format and I was on first base. So he left the front office, which was home. He went to first base and I was on the, on the ground floor and like halfway through the year, he's like, you know, you're always doing morning meeting when I come. And all I could think was like, if you came at a different time of the day, or even like went upstairs if you needed to stay on first base or went to like third base, run the bases backwards, do whatever you need to do. If you came at a different time of day, I wouldn't be in morning meeting. Just saying. Like, what do you expect to see? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I kudos to you for like realizing that a little earlier than my uh, former principal, because I couldn't believe that he said that to me. And I was just like, hmm, let's think this through. I, I noticed I kept walking into the same people eating their lunch, and that was my cue. Like, all right, if I keep seeing her eating her lunch, there's something wrong with, with what I'm doing here. So what does your day typically look like, Mike? Usually, there's I try and keep some sort of balance where I still have some time to myself to, to plan out um, my own meetings or my own training sessions I have to run. Uh, and then times just to kind of drop in and see people. Um, this time of year, uh, I have... You know, with the next week or so, people finishing, trying to get in their projects before the end of the, the, the this session before break. So I'm a little busier uh, than I had been lately with being into classes, co-teaching with people, uh, helping to teach different different apps or tools. So it, it really, it definitely varies from week to week or day to day, honestly. So Mike, because this is your school mm-hmm. and you've been teaching there since 2004, as you said in your bio... I guess the teachers are pretty much open to you coming in or, or they still have reservations because of this new title. So I, I think um, it's, it, it's a little bit of both and it, it's, it's kind of a weird situation where uh, I think that's a, an advantage for me is that, that so many people do know me, but then at the same time um, it's a little, uh, 
it can be a challenge because uh, I was definitely I'm, I'm an early adopter, um, and I was one of those guys. I, I told the my the, the first meeting we had this year, I, I was talking to, and I said how uh, most of what I can tell you is from my mistakes because I've screwed so many things up. Uh, so I know some people were a little hesitant because I was one of those gung ho guys, you know, whatever the LMS was, whatever the newest app or the newest program was, I was trying it. Um, so they were a little nervous at first. Um, I still think there are some people who are, you know, more uh, more likely to invite me in, and others when I just drop in, they're fine. Nobody's nobody's cold or resistant towards me, um, but there are certainly the people who who lean on me more than others. So, Mike, one of the things that stood out to me as we talked uh, and we set this up couple of weeks ago, uh, you told me that you really appreciate using technology to make deeper connections with your students. And that's really, I really, I really love that aspect because we look at technology a lot of times and we see what it could do for our classrooms. We see how it can improve our teaching. But when you told me about the student aspect of this, and you talked about your experience that you just mentioned being an early adopter and really taking those chances and making mistakes, that was awesome. So I really want to hear about the technology you used in your classroom and how you focused on the students. I guess, you know, what I do wrong, what I've done wrong first is kind of probably more importantly. I used to, uh, I was one of those more is better. Like, look at all these cool things that we're getting to do. And if I just had them do fun activities or cool activities online using the technology, they, they would love me as a teacher. And uh, sometimes I didn't understand why I was so frustrated um, with, you know, kids not always turning work in or kids not always being fully as excited about the, the, the technology as I was. So uh, I thought I, you know, I, I talked before I have a, I don't know if James Sturdivant is a guy that I, I, I read a couple of his books and listen to a lot of what he has to say. And mm-hmm. he talks about the whole, you got to connect is one of his books that, that it's just un, unreal. So I don't even know, I think about four, maybe four or five years ago, I started to think about how everything, everything I do should be bring me closer to connecting to the students, um, you know, the students connecting to material as well. But um, we have this great technology at hand. We have all these different time-saving techniques. Um, and instead of using that time to check email or, or to grade as much, use that time to, to touch, you know, uh, touch base with kids, talk to students. Um, simple little things. Uh, I think one of my favorite things to do, and again, I, I can't even remember who I, this is someone from Twitter, where uh, use a Google form as a daily, daily question and just check in where if, if I know there's a day where I'm going to be asking my students to do a lot of heavy mental lifting or a lot of work, uh, maybe just have them rate their feelings. You know, how are you feeling today? One to four. And then if they want to tell me why, uh, that way I know who I can push, who I can't push. You know, someone's rated themselves as, as a one. Um, I'm a little more mindful and cognizant. Uh, little things like that. Uh, one of the things I did the last couple of years I love this idea, and I don't even know, again, I got it from somebody, and, and I don't know how to think about it before, but I'm a big, I love music in class. So little things like using a Google form to collect and create a playlist using Amazon Music, and it was unreal to see how excited kids would get when they heard their song request put on, and then like the conversations that kids started, you know, I, I can't believe, I've had so many students who, who it's, it's, you know, I feel old now because the songs come on from my childhood, childhood, and you know, they're saying, oh, my mom listens to this in the car all the time. So uh, just little things like that, I think, are, they can go such a long way. Give us an example. What's one of those songs? I'm sure we're all thinking the same exact thing because <laughs> we're all about the same age. Let's go. Well, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Michael Jackson, the kids re- re- requesting. Um, I had a lot of Tears for Fears this year, this past school year. Yeah. Everybody I mean, wants I, to rule the world. Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. Um, 
And then actually one kid who um, had an affinity for the Bee Gees, and he went like the deep track Bee Gees songs that I, that Whoa. were I know it was, it was pretty impressive. Dodgers fan though, so what are you gonna expect? Uh, I did the same thing with my kids this year, and fifth grade tastes are quite interesting. But I had some really um, interesting ones. I have a big Queens fan. Um, the girl loves Queen, and she's gotten other kids into classic rock because of that to the point where one of her very good friends, like they chat on the side and they chat at home. But one of her very good friends did an entire feature article on like the greatest bands of all time, including like the Beatles queen, a couple other things. And I was just like, all right. So these two are definitely talking music. And then there's a third one, one uh, third student who plays a guitar. And so she's part of that group too. But it's it's interesting. Then you find out the kids who listen to explicit music, and you're just kind of surprised. And I'm like, oh, that's not safe for school. I cannot play that. Got a different suggestion? <laughs> you're 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 YouTubing the radio edit. No, I didn't even bother. I was like, if I couldn't find it on Spotify, I was like, this is too much work. I know it sounds horrible, but like I was like, but then you just start quite and and like what she sent me it said explicit, and I was like, no. We we had um I had a class full of Queen fans too last year, and and uh. The same place was Queen, and then ironically enough, the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Soundtrack, and they would uh, break into song at, at any the drop of a dime. It was pretty pretty impressive. See, I used to use music in my classroom, and it backfired on me because the kids knew everything I didn't like, so they would request those songs, and I'm like, "Thanks, great." How'd they know what you didn't like? I'm upfront and honest with my students, like especially during it. this time. I don't like, and Chris, if you do anything with this, I'm gonna knock you to tomorrow. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas oh my is God, my least so favorite Christmas song of all time. And when people find this out, it always pops up when I'm around. So don't do it, Christopher. I see it in your face right now. <laughs> yeah, I can see him. He's like looking for it right mm-hmm. now. I was just going to say that, you know, in, in my classroom, music is always playing. And yeah. I've really gotten my kids into the lo-fi chill hop. Oh, my. So I just go to Spotify? YouTube. I pull up one of these live, oh. one of these live YouTube channels. And right now I've been playing like, chill hop winter jazz Wait, so, what am i looking for lo-fi chill hop lo-fi chill hop if you go on spotify i don't know if you guys know this uh, brief spotify plug here you can actually play like just like beats and like they have like lo-fi hip-hop i, yeah. I rock out to that while i'm working if i need to put straight focus going i'm gonna have to all right i'll follow this first one but i also like um speaking of music i like playing um pop goes classical so it's like all those radio hits, but to classical music. So the kids aren't really focusing on what the lyrics are. But like every now and again, when they recognize, again, Queen comes up a lot. When Queen comes on or a kid's requested song comes on, they get excited, but they're not like singing to it because there are no lyrics. They're just like intrigued by the pure instrumentals of it, which is neat. We should get sponsored by Spotify. I'm just saying. Hey, we were big on Spotify last year. AJ sent those graphics out. Yeah, that's awesome. Mike, real quick, since you, since you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. where do you listen to us? Uh, I'm still an Apple podcast guy. I still go through the Apple. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Hell, if you said, hey, I download it to my computer every time it comes out, that's good, too. <laughs> no, yeah. It's still Apple. Point is, you're listening, man. That's yeah, all. Absolutely. Now, Mike, one of the other things that we have here uh, about you is your desire to focus on the kids. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that you do that? And, and even if you could speak to... How has your focus on students changed or I don't know if it's changed, but how are you focusing on students in your new role as a TOSA? 
<laughs> that so that was the the biggest adjustment for me, and that's what I struggled with a lot earlier in the in the years. That whole um, not having a daily interaction or not having those relationships with the kids, um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about technology and educational technology and classrooms is that is that it really does allow you to develop those relationships um, where you know you can see the kids' personalities and the type of projects they choose. Uh, I, I, as a social studies teacher, I know I'm sure you. It gets a pretty interesting project choices as well, um, but just you know, letting a kid, a, a kid who loves art, draw or paint something, and then just talking them to the talking about the process with them. Um, I really enjoy, uh, you know, seeing the types of connections they make uh, with with different types of images or video creations they do. Uh, as a, as my new role this year, um, it is it's it's a little different. I I did. I do find I, I know more kids, but I know more kids less, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm not as Do we ever really know the kids? I mean. <laughs> That's true. Good point. <laughs> uh, but I do get to see a lot of kids, and I, I get to spend some time, some time with a, a whole bunch of them. Um, but I think what, what I'm really excited about is I get to help uh, some really exciting teachers. Um, I have a – it's actually – make myself feel old uh, a project that one of the guys in my my school is working on it's, he's a kid that he was in the first class I ever taught as a teacher as a student he was in my first period class now he's a, he's a seventh grade math teacher in our district um, and he's doing this phenomenal uh, project about uh, budgeting for students and and trying to have the students create their own budget and he's using Google sheets and he's using uh, graphs and he's going to have the kids you know what do they really need to, to earn to live the lifestyle they want to live um, and i think that project is so neat to see um, because first of all we, we seventh graders have no idea what it what it costs i uh, one one kid asked me is, is twenty dollars a lot I said, well for what and they said dinner i said well dinner where uh, they had no concept uh, one kid decided he wanted to rent a lamborghini for a week and how cheap it was and i said what about gas he's like wait you have to pay for gas uh so they have no concept, but it's neat to, to get it's amazing to amazing what kids, kids don't know. <laughs> <laughs> scary. <laughs> it's scary. Um, so I think that's like projects like that and, and the opportunity to work with, you know, a math teacher um, who the guy's taking a big risk, I think, because so many that math is especially so hard to do the project based learning. That's the thing about the asked earlier, how I, be, how I was received in my own district and I think a lot of times it's easy for me to go project-based and to, to try and do things with social studies. You know, we're not the tested subject. So I love, I love that, that people, people are willing to give it a shot and take that risk. You know, I, I mentioned that in a, in a meeting I had last week with a couple of colleagues and our humanities specialists and our VP. And I was like, you know, project-based learning, doing these things that I get away with in my classroom. I was like, we should all be just kind of doing this. And they were like, well, why? And I'm like, because we're not a tested subject. We don't have the pressure of performing on a standardized test for math and language arts. We can do all sorts of crazy stuff to support what they're doing. We can bring the math and bring the language arts in. Nobody's paying attention to us. Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of freedom in there, and it's, a, it's exciting. And when it comes to freedom in that regard, you give me an inch, I'm taking a mile when it comes <laughs> to what I'm going to do and try with my students. Absolutely. So, Mike, since... The focus is on Google. Since the focus is on working with teachers to improve student success using technology, what is something you recommend to your teachers that they should try in any class? So, uh, so much. Um, 
I, I think I, I, I'm a huge fan, and it's kind of, the, I guess it's the cliche one, but I Google Slides. Uh, just any way you can get the kids to create more, and that's probably the, the easiest way to do that. Um, I know so many uh, of the newer teachers, people who are hesitant would probably head towards Google Docs first, but um, I love uh, just how much you can do. And uh, I think even if it's just a simple way and using it not as a presentation aid or a presentation tool, um, finding different ways to use those Google Slides, I think that's probably the, the my go-to, uh, the hook to get to get people in. I'm pretty sure we've heard it called the Swiss Army knife of the Google Suite. Yeah, something something <laughs> along those lines, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I got my kids using Google Slides. I've, I've had them take notes in it collaboratively. I've got them uh, with the current project. I've got students creating eBooks using Google Slides. I, I mean, even something as simple as I, vocab last year, where we we were talking about uh, Native American cultures, and we had the students create like slide decks together where they would categorize and list the terms together and create backgrounds that, that were similar so they could visually see how the terms were related to each other. There's just so many little simple things you can do. And again, it saves time. I had my students, um, my student, well, I didn't have them do it, but my students created for me a birthday card where each of them took a slide in Google Slides and then they presented it to me. And like each of them got to like talk about what they added and why they added it. It was really cute. So, Mike, we understand how important technology is, especially in this day and age. And we, we appreciate the ideas you're sharing and, and, and the lessons that you are and the activities that you're preparing for everybody uh, in your school. So where do you see the role of technology in the lives of students? There's, there's no escaping it, and for better or worse. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I look at my own, my own boys uh, maybe a week or so ago. Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. My wife went to the grocery store, and my my older son hopped right on Xbox to play Madden when I gave him the choice. And my little guy ran to the Chromebook, and he started Googling um, typing lessons because he wanted to learn how to type. And I think uh, kids are they're it's so natural and innate to them, and not not using it as learning tools, but just it's part of who they are. Um, you know, I read this awesome book at the a recommendation of a, a wrestling coach friend of mine called marching off the mat this past summer. And the idea is like, uh, you know, back when, um, before Matt make, before we knew the known world, um, uh, Matt makers, as they were marching forward, had to decide, you know, had to create their own versions of the, of the, of the future, the, the maps. And same thing here where we don't, we're, we're trying to prepare kids for a world. We really don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, but we can use the tools and prepare them and help them to use these these technology tools uh, so that they can create their own world. He talks about the authors and they talk about you can decide to be you could be the old man um, sailing. He, he says, you know, when, when you're sailing and the winds are in your faces, you have two choices. You can shake your fist at the wind and yell and, and say, like, you know, I want it back the old way. I want the, the, the students to sit in desks in rows and I can tell them all my stories or you can adjust your sails and and go with the wind. And I think that's, that's where we need to be. Um, our students, you know, I've, all, I've been teaching for 15 years and students are a little different than they were 15 years ago, but I think a lot of it's, most of it's for the better. Um, and there's just so much that, that technology helps. It gives, it lets us offer. Um, I don't, I don't know if that answered the question, if I just rambled a little too much. <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was perfect. Since 
you know, you're a technology specialist, basically, you know, that's the role. Uh, in my role, I'm a technology person as well, and I'm, I'm big into integrating technology, and I've kind of shared that with the staff. I've noticed a lot of people are just throwing technology into lessons because they feel like, this is what we're supposed to do. Here's some technology. How do you manage that with the, with the teachers that you're working with? Again, I'll bring my, my wrestling background in. We, we, we brought a, a group of people in um, wrestling mindset, they're called, a bunch of sports, um, sports psychologists, University of Penn graduates. So they're pretty smart guys. And they talk about the, the, the most successful warriors in the history of the world have been people who, who they knew what they were, they knew what they stood for. They had a principle, they had purposes. And they always kept their purpose and their, their goals in mind. And I feel like um, that's over the past four or five years, that was my shift. You know, my purpose was with everything I did, I was intentional in, in, in making sure that if I was using technology, it was to make sure their learning was visible from the students, that I could see what they were thinking, I could see what they were learning, or, or I could, you know, make a deeper connection with the kids. And it's the same thing that, that I try and talk to with the teachers is make sure you're using it for a purpose. Don't just use it to use it. Um, because I, I was down that road and it's, it's awful. <laughs> I, I'm with you completely. I'm with you same. completely. <laughs> that was my whole, that was my whole, um, my whole alt eval, my problem of practice was people who come from like whatever, whatever PD training they have. And they're like, I've heard about this great thing called Flipgrid. How do I use it? Like, what can I use it for? And they have no, no idea. And, and that's fine that you're excited about the technology, but know that it's like, well, tell me about what, what you're actually working on right now academically. And then we'll see if Flipgrid is even a relevant tool for the work that you're doing. That that's a challenge for me. Like I still, you know, being still pretty new to the job, um, it's, I find it difficult because they'll, they'll do the same thing. They'll do the same with me. Like, hey, I, I, I just saw Gimkit or I just saw Flipgrid is big one. Like, what, what can I do? And then it's, well, what do you want to do? I want to use Flipgrid. Like, no, what do you want to do? Or the best is, hey, I just found Gimkit and I'm getting observed on Friday. What can you do for me? <laughs> <laughs> no even better than that is when i would give a session and they'd be like i'm doing that tomorrow i'm like oh yeah why and they're like because i'm getting observed I'm like no 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 no, like it's not even set up <laughs> no. i'm gonna go make my account right now or the people who use it because they're absent and then like there are epic fails because you know the sub doesn't know what's happening the kids have never used it no 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 yeah, there's it's no magic pill folks there's no magic pill <laughs> I think one thing I try and do is I try and when I talk about anything new, I, I, I try to tell the people all the ways I, I messed it up first um, so that they realize, like, you're going to screw it up. Uh, so don't take the pressure off, but also realize, like, it's not going to be perfect the first time. Look, I, I'm with you completely. I think we're all on the same page here. And I think I've spoke to this before. You know, my wake up call three years ago was, you know, we went one to one in the school I was at. And being the technology lover that I am, I'm like, I need to, I need to go all in. I need to make sure it works the best. And I felt like I was using so much technology that my lessons were actually pretty terrible. And like the kids, like they remember the projects that we did. They remember the research they were working on, but I just felt like the connections I made that year were just null and void. No, it was this, this, this we're done. Okay. Next batch of kids. I I had to make a change. And I think that's where I kind of made that real big shift in my craft of, you know, that, that mix of using technology and using other skills to help kids learn. So, you know, we're allowed to make mistakes. We're all going to do it. 
So I'm glad you kind of preached those mistakes to your staff. I I kind of had the same trajectory as you, where it's, I, I was just I just did too much, and I there's I don't even remember what made me think of it, but I had a, a parent teacher conference with with a lady who I ironically enough now work with. Um, it was my second or third year teaching, and I remember at the end of it we sat across, and she said to me, "You know, you're you're a pretty good teacher," and she said, "You'll be even better when you have kids of your own someday." And I remember being kind of offended at first. But then I was just talking to her like it, like you get it that, you know, I think I fell into the trap of thinking of them only as students and not somebody's son or somebody's daughter or somebody's best friend. Um, and I think that's, that was something key to remember too. Yeah. I think one of the cool things, my, my, uh, my wife's principal. So the story is they had a blackout at the school a couple of weeks ago, maybe earlier October. And, you know, they couldn't use technology. They couldn't use some things. And the principal was walking around the superintendent was walking around to make sure everything was was cool in the building that there were no problems um the lights obviously worked but the technology was down they found that walking around during those two or three days where the technology wasn't available they saw the best teaching that they saw in a long time so now what they want to do is every other week or so i'm not sure this is exactly perfect but they want to have a no tech day where the kids can just be, the teachers will do what they have to do, whether it's presenting from, uh, from notes or, or using a slideshow, that's allowed, but the kids are not going to have technology. They're going to have more of those collaborative learning days. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Now, now I like that, but does this mean we're not going to see this new movement sweeping across the nation, books being written, Twitter chats happening about, you know, no tech education? I mean, if you do it every now and, and then, and it like, sounds like they want to do like rolling ed tech blackouts. Yeah, but you know what? Bring it though. Sometimes, like it's okay. You know, it's. I don't it's, know. I, I'm, it's I'm watching the, the pendulum swing the other way. Right. It's it's balance. You know, we talk about balance in our yeah. lives and trying to find find ways to to maintain. I think our kids need to do the same thing. We can't just keep throwing technology at them too much, and especially if it's not being used correctly, because not all teachers have the same mindset. But I, so I think it that might takes be on the no, assumption that I get that. that. I'm just being a little. I know you, you are cynical. I know you are. I'm That's being what cynical. You do. <laughs> But I also think that like, takes on the assumption that everyone is using technology all of the time. And like having come out of a position just like Mike's, I know the, the number of people who aren't even using the technology that our school district provides for them. And, you know, the resources that we've made available to and for them and for their students. And they're just so unwilling to give it a try. Or like the only reason they even reach for the tech is because there's um, there's peer pressure or... They've been told that there needs to be some type of technology in their lesson plan for an observation. Some lesson plan templates have a technology this is true. block that you must fill in. This is true. So is the curriculum. Don't forget. But that's that's unrealistic as well. I don't know. I no, you're I, right. And, and like, I just I just think that that's unfair to say like, oh, no tech. Like, you know, my kids have Chromebooks all day long at their disposal, but if they're I don't know. They're never using them all day long. They write down their homework assignments and then they don't take them out again till probably writing workshop time. And even there, they have a choice of whether or not they draft in their notebook or they draft online. Because it, that's an, another real part of it is is having choice. Right. But you you get that, though. I guess my point is like when a, when admin comes in and says, well, now it's going to be this like it's based on what? Like seeing a, a handful of teachers who throw tech at everybody at all of a sudden have really great lessons because there's no tech involved. So now everyone has to do it. That's wrong. You do have some good points, but I, I think that's uh, you know, maybe we'll jot, jot that one down in a 
put in the banks for a future episode. Because you, you do have some valid points, and, and it could be disconcerting for some people. I just think it's unfair to say that everyone fits the same mold. That's like saying every, I don't know, not every it's teacher like, does everything There's no such thing as standardized teaching. Exactly. Just like there's no such thing in, in New Jersey as standardized testing. I'm sorry, there's nothing standardized. I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop. Right, no, no. <laughs> I, I, here, okay, you step off the box, I'll step on. So I was recently having a conversation where I came up with this new term called standardized differentiation, where they want us to do the same thing, but do it in different ways. But they want us all to be on the same page. And something I also think is unrealistic. You know, like, like right now, they want to push National History Day down everybody's throat, which... Isn't that like next level stuff? Yeah, what they keep talking about is project-based learning. Mm. But this is like something that's very specialized towards the humanities and the social studies classes. And for me, I'm already doing project-based learning. My whole class is based on it. I don't give tests. I don't give quizzes. I don't give homework. It's all projects all the time. And working on that creativity, communication, collaboration, critical thinking piece. And I don't need to shove the history day thing down my kid's throat. So AJ, you want to step on the box? I'll step off. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to step on tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to take the Mike, back do you have, seat do you on have this a soapbox one. You want to get on? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I have you ever done the history day stuff with your, I, I've tried it with, with giving it as a choice for kids and it's, Man, I couldn't imagine having every one of my students because, like you said, it is for a very specific. Like, I always joke with my kids that like I'm a history nerd, I love it, and for for history nerds like me, like it was great. But even for them, it was hard. I couldn't imagine trying it for everybody. No, I the last time I was involved with this, I worked in a middle school where they shoved it down everybody's throat. But then to go above and beyond, it was an after school activity where out of your classes and a school wide thing. Then if you wanted to like go further with it. You could, and and they used it as a way for teachers to identify those kids who wanted to take their history and social studies to the next level, um, which I would be I would be in favor of. You know, let's do project based learning in the social studies classes, and then throw at kids, hey, you know, there's this thing you can do if you like history. Consider pursuing this. Here's some information. Here's a club that that exists, and if you want to do it, go for it. Yeah, ours was part of our G&T program. That's why I, I thought it might be like next level because the amount of work and I worked with the G&T teacher, um, but I know the amount of work that she always talked about her kids having to do and the level of stress that it just added on top of an already rigorous, you know, curriculum um, and just to add on. That's why I said next level, because it, it's it's not something that. I think is easily accessible to all students. I don't think that it's easily tiered to make sure that everyone has a level of success and doesn't reach frustration. Right. It's not equitable. Equal is making them all do it. Equitable is not the experience every kid will have. Right. And it's not designed for everyone to participate. At least I don't think it is. I I agree. It, it is. I don't think it's for everybody. If you If you hate history and you don't like it, that's what I mean. Like, it's not that everyone shouldn't have a chance if they want to, but I don't think that if you don't want to, that you should be forced to. Anyway, soapbox dismantled. Mike, you've been in this position now for the beginning part of the year. And I know like this time of year, I always start thinking about um, how I'm going to move forward for the rest of the year so that like I don't hit a slump or just I kind of reflect 
And I think about like what changes I'm going to make so that the rest of my year is as successful as possible. So what kind of things are you looking forward to as the calendar flips a page to 2020 and you have, you know, the last six months of school to look forward to? Uh, that's that's ironic that you ask. I just I always uh, the last thing I used to have my students do before winter break is I'd have them fill out like a little survey about me and how the class was going. Um, so I, I just scheduled a meeting with my principal, assistant principal, and our tech director for the district to like, let's, let's come up with a uh, where are we type of self-evaluation for like, okay, here's where you hope we are. Let's look at individually where are we. So maybe the second half of the year uh, we can hopefully go to a more individualized approach to it. Um, I think it's been a lot of whole group instruction to the whole faculty meetings or meet. We're, we're lucky that we have team meetings every single day. Um, where each once a cycle I get to meet with the different teams. Um, but maybe now switch gears to try and um, look more individualized. So hoping by the time we come back from break, maybe have some sort of reflective piece, whether it's a, a Google form, obviously I'm a big Google guy, um, or something along those lines where they can see where they're at and where they want to go and how I can help them to get there. So would the reflection piece be for the teachers? Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then my, myself, obviously based upon their results would be where, where I kind of sit back and figure what am I doing well and what's not, what am I not doing yet? All right, Mike, before we move on to our uh, podcast recommendations, which you're going to participate in, we do like to ask all of our guests about professional development. So from your perspective, what would you like to get out of PD that you either led or PD you attended? What's your ideal professional development? I think it's a, it's the word that every teacher wants more of a time. Um, and it's, I think so much, so much of professional development is rushed. Um, and we've, uh, we're lucky in that. And, and I'm not saying this just to butter up my principals that they listen. It's, which I don't think they do anyway. So I think I'm good. Uh, you should have yeah, them listen. I know. Maybe I will. Um, these maybe subscribe. It's, yeah. <laughs> and and comment, I think, yeah. right. You want to review, right. <laughs> um, They've been they've been taking like a less is more approach, um, and even to the point where our our whole days of, of PD they've been giving us more of the um, wellness time for wellness, um, where you know in, when we come back in February we're going to have a choice between you know a, a number of sessions to attend. Some of them could be po- listening to a podcast um, and, and talking about it, taking a walk while you listen to the podcast. There's people who are going to read books just kind of sit and read for 20 minutes or uh, but just I think time and and time to kind of uh, reflect I think is the most important thing because that's I that's how I learn best and I know a lot of people when you're given the opportunity to um, I think that's really powerful I agree time to get in that sandbox Mm -hmm. make a mess get your hands dirty you know a wise man once said that using technology isn't difficult you should just (laughs) give it a try but you need time to do that (laughs) I like it. Who, who doesn't have a... So Stacey and Mike are going to come up with their recommendations. And while they do that, uh, AJ and I are going to talk about our executive producers. Now, we don't have any yet, but we do want to let you know that you can support Podcast PD as an executive producer. You can support us with a one-time donation, or you can support us on a monthly basis. In addition to listening to the show, we'd like to show our appreciation with the following rewards. AJ... Tell people what they could get if they support the show. 
Yeah. So if you help us, like like Chris said, one-time donation, or you can go for at least three months. If you have a $3 donation, you'll get a sticker, a $5 donation. Me, yours truly, AJ, will record your voicemail as Lego Batman. And I can do a better one. I promise. If you want Elmo, I can do an Elmo too, but we're not doing that in the show. Uh, if the voicemail isn't your thing, we'll give you a podcast PD mug, and that's a $5 donation. Or for $10, you get a special podcast PD t-shirt. So if you are interested and you'd like to help us out as an executive producer, please check out podcastpd.com slash executive producers for more information. All right. And with that, we're going to do our podcast recommendations. Uh, I'm going to go first because I'm really excited because I subscribed to a new podcast that just came out and it's called Work Your Podcast, which you can find at workyourpodcast.com. And this podcast is hosted by Bonnie L. Frank and Emily Prokop. That name should sound familiar because Emily used to host a show called The Story Behind Podcast, which is sort of on hiatus. And uh, this podcast is delivered weekly, and it's all about podcasting and business strategies to help you balance podcasting in life, simplify the process, and grow your business through podcasting. And the first episode was really good. It was simply titled Why Podcast? And It's a nice introduction to Bonnie and Emily and what the podcast is all about and why somebody should consider podcasting. So I am subscribed. We're big fans of Emily Prokop, and I I think this is something people need to check out if they're interested in podcasting. Well, thanks for the recommendation there, Chris. I think that's a uh, pretty good recommendation for those who might be looking to start a podcast. All right, I'm going to go. So I'm going to throw one. We've talked about this show before, and look, it's getting really hard because you know, I talked about it last episode. We got something big coming up at the end of December here. So I'm giving away some of the, the podcasts I want to recommend, but so be it. So I'm going to throw you guys uh, the 5 a.m. Miracle with Jeff Sanders, and it's episode 307, and it's titled Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention. And this episode is with, uh, I'm going to say his name, hopefully it's correct, Nir Eyal, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and indistractable, how to control your attention and choose your life. And this was really an amazing episode because in today's society, I think we are so distracted with other things around us, not just technology. It's part of it. That's, that's uh, he uses his information from his first book hook to help him write this one indistractable. Um, and it really was powerful. And I just want to give you guys real quick, just a little glimpse at his book. If, if I wouldn't mind, and you're going to have to listen because you press play. So this is, this is from Indistractable, not from the podcast, but this is why I caught up with this. So for the book, it says, you sit down at your desk to work on an important project, but a notification on your phone interrupts your morning. Later, as you're about to get back to your work, a colleague taps you on the shoulder to chat. At home, screens get in the way of quality time with your family. Another day goes by, and once again, your most important personal and professional goals are put on hold. What would be possible if you followed through on your best intentions? What could you accomplish if you could stay focused? What if you had the power to become indistractable? So when I read that synopsis of his book, I really was hooked already. And then listening to the podcast and listening to him, uh, to Nir Eyal, talk about his ideas for breaking free from those distractible moments. He calls it traction from distraction. was really great. So if you want to get a little glimpse of how you can become a little bit more involved and a little bit more, uh, in, I guess, a little less distracted, I guess we'll say, then give this, give this a chance, give this a shot and see where you're going to go from there. I already put the book in the, in my Amazon cart. So 
I'm going to be reading that at some point soon. And we'll have a link to that in our show notes at podcastpd.com slash 62. Stacey, what have you been listening to? For me, I have like a strict rule about like holiday themed things not coming until after Thanksgiving. But because Thanksgiving was so late this year, I broke that rule by a day and I started listening to um, holiday music um, on Thanksgiving. And I also started watching all of the DVR episodes of, um, well, not episodes, um, DVR movies and air quotes, if you will, um, Hallmark films that have been running since before Halloween, which I just think is a tragic, tragic um, scourge on society that they release them so early. It's also kind of tragic that these things exist in the world, but they're just such delightful um, time sucks. And even to make it even more next level, I also listen to um, Deck the Hallmark, which is a podcast about these very funny, um, not so great movies. And um, those guys are hysterical. I, I recommended it last year, but now I'm in like full listening mode because I'm trying to A, catch up on all of the Hallmark movies that I've missed and B, um, catch up and just delete all of the different um, episodes that I have on my player. And so like right now I'm at 1618. Earlier today I was at 1628. So it's been some fast listening. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, you don't have to pay super close attention. I did some lesson planning while I was listening. Well, Stacy, thanks for that one. Appreciate you sharing the Hallmark recommendations. We know what's going to happen in the end. They all get together. Mike, you're a guest, so you're up, slugger. It went oh. out here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my, my initial reaction was to go with the... the Last episode, I think it's 566 of The Art of Manliness, but I didn't want to step on Chris's toes. It's a good one about uh, getting comfortable in the wintertime and, and Christmas, but uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say the word. Uh, the, 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 is it Hugly? Uh, now, hold on. Mike, to be fair, Hoogie. I, I Hoogie, started yeah. to listen to that. And I was like, I have no interest in this. I did not listen to the whole episode. You got to give it a shot. It's a oh, good it's one. about being cozy. Like, I've been so hooky right now with my tea and my blankie and, yep. Wait, did you say hokey or... Hoagie. It's it's huggy or huggy or I don't know how to say it. It's like it's I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I I'll switch gears and I'll go with um. There's a guy, the Ed Milet Show. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but I I, uh, I recently listened to the one with Robert O'Neill, who um is the, the Navy SEAL that he took part of the Captain Phillips raid, and he's actually the man who um killed Osama bin Laden. And, and just the the interview he gave and the, his story where he talks about you know. He couldn't even swim when he decided to enlist as a Navy SEAL. It's it unbelievable. So um, I think that's that's something that it's uh, there's some of the language isn't great in there. Um, if you're easily offended, you might not want to listen to it. But it's a, it's an absolutely amazing story. One of the best podcasts I've ever heard. Two things: we hang out with Stacy, so we don't have to worry about being uh, <laughs> being worried about language. Uh, second, I, I tried the Ed Milet show. I don't know how to really find an episode that is interesting to me. So could you give me a recommendation? Like how can I go through his catalog and find something that really is like, wow, this is going to be great. So I, I like the, 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 the um, Robert O'Neill one, but the other one that I thought was really good uh, was the Tony Gonzalez episode um, where, you know, as a, as a sports fan, mm-hmm. I, I immediately I was drawn to that one. 
Um, and he talks about Tony Gonzalez has a, a background that he really wouldn't you know, talk about being bullied and picked on when he was a mm. kid. Um, so that was a pretty interesting one. And the Dirk Bentley one um, was a pretty entertaining one where uh, he talks all about enjoying life. And, you know, he, he, I guess Dirk Bentley puts on a pre-show before all his concerts where he fakes like he's a, a 1980s country singer. I don't know, but they're pretty, pretty interesting ones. All right. I'll give them a try. Thanks. No, I'm going to give this a try, but I Googled it while you were talking, Mike. And that mm-hmm. Google told me what I wanted to spell, and it spelled it for me. <laughs> uh, so I see also there are some video thumbnails. So, the, so Ed Milet puts out content on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at his thumbnails, <laughs> and I see what he looks like. So, so Mike, my, my and cousin. Mike, I can't help, I can't help but see a resemblance between you and Ed Milet. Well, listen, I'd be I'd be flattered if you, the size of that guy's arms are unbelievable. But my my cousin who I uh, so I. Michael Gervais, I listen to a lot of his podcast too, which uh, I, I recommended him to my cousin. He's like, listen, you got to try, give Ed Milet a shot. And he said, don't judge him by the cover art. So if you happen to see his podcast cover art, don't judge him. I think he's walking in front of like a personal Learjet or something, but the, the guy's pretty impressive. I, I am going to put in the show notes at podcastpd.com slash 62, a side-by-side of you <laughs> and Ed from one of his YouTube thumbnails. So you can be the judge for yourself and let us know what you think on Twitter. <laughs> it's the round faces. <laughs> it's uncanny. I thought you were about to say Ed's my cousin, but you're talking nah, about nah, like an actual nah. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's where I got my recommendation for him. <sighs> nice. All right, Mike. So before we wrap this up, where can people connect with you? This is a great conversation. And, you know, we really appreciate you taking time to be here with us for this episode. So how can people continue to learn with you and from you? Um, so I, I would say Voxer. I, I don't remember what my username on Voxer is, to be honest. But the easiest way is Twitter, at Mr. Underscore Brilla. So it's M-R underscore B-R-I-L-L-A. And if you want to get Mike on Voxer, his Voxer name is just Mike Brilla. There you One go. word. There you go. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, man, it works. Why change it? I'm AJ Bianco. I thread everything. You want AJ Bianco? You got him. Just hit it. So before we leave you for episode 62 of Podcast PD, Stacy has a quick announcement for the upcoming 12 days of Podcast PD. Stacy, tell them how they can get involved. We're starting to wrap up 2019, and that means the 12 days of Podcast PD is coming soon. From December 25th to January 5th, we will be sharing one podcast recommendation per day. We'd love for you to be a part of it and contribute. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash feedback to send us audio and tell the Podcast PD community about an entire podcast or one episode we should all listen to and why. Also, tell us about you and how people can connect with you. And on that note, it is time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. And thanks for joining us. Say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at Podcast PD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag Podcast PD. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at iRunTech, and at AJ Bianco. 
We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.